to remind you, we've been thinking about the Psalms this summer in the theme of praying for revival. And these last three, last week and this one and next week, are actually prayers for revival. And so, these are great ones to uh, use when you are praying for God to revive His church. Now, as we come to this one this morning, I'm thinking about foreign policy. Have you been thinking about foreign policy this week? Yeah, it's, it's been talked a lot about. Now, I, I have very little to say about any kind of American foreign policy because that's just not my specialty. But this morning, I want us to think about what foreign policy is about, and that is, how does one nation relate to other nations? Because Psalm 67 is a beautiful prayer about Israel's, Old Testament Israel's foreign policy, God's foreign policy for them, how they as his nation were to relate to other nations. So, this is not a political sermon. This is really going to be about us as God's people and how we think about the nation. So, if you would stand with me. And be thinking about this question as we read. How do God's people relate to the nations? Hear the word of the God who loves you from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be may known on the earth that your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated as I pray. Father, this is your word. You have preserved it for us. You you gave it first to your people Israel. You have preserved it for us, your church, uh, the Israel of God, the new Israel of God. Would you help us to understand it? and to be changed by it, and to adopt it as our own prayer, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So did you see, do you see God's foreign policy for his people Israel? We'll talk first about what he intended for them as a nation, uh, and then we'll apply it to ourselves as the holy nation, as Peter calls us, the church, God's people in this age. Uh, essentially, God's foreign policy here is, has been, was, I will bless you so that through you I can bless the nations. See, this psalm uh, brings up, the people of God would pray this psalm and they would remember some of the things that God told his people 
in Genesis and Numbers and, and other places throughout the Old Testament. Listen to uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This is when God called Abram and gave birth to his nation Israel. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country. He was a foreigner. He was from way out across the river and worshiped idols. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God's foreign policy for Israel from the very beginning was, I'm going to bless you and through you bless the nations. And then in Numbers, we looked at this last week, Numbers chapter 6, the priests prayed this blessing over and over and over again over God's people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. And that was God's intention, is to bless his people so that they would live in his smile, as we talked about last week, and then become a people whom the world would see, the other nations would see. Look at the relationship they have with the God, the living God, that they would be drawn to him through them. That was his plan. Um, and in this psalm, we see it come out in, in three ways. This psalm is one of those Bible sandwiches that I've told you about, where there's two pieces of bread, and then there's two other things, whether it's lettuce or cheese or something, and then there's the meat in the middle. This, this poetry was written in a way to make us focus on the very middle of this psalm on verse 4. Look at, look at how it works. Verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7 are the bread, and then verse 3 and verse 5 are the exact same verse, and they're, they're whatever you want to call it, the, the lettuce and the cheese in between, but the meat of this prayer is in verse 4. But we, it helps us learn what is, what is the focus of this prayer, what's important here, and there are three things that are important. In verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7, this is what the people of God are praying. Let us be a picture of how you rescue sinners into a smiling relationship with you. Look at it. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among the nations. That's verses 1 and 2. And then that blessing prayer repeats again in 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So the idea here is going all the way back to how God, what God created Israel to do, chose them to do. I'm going to bless Israel who doesn't deserve to be in a relationship with me. They were idol worshipers, Abram was. I'm going to pull them out of the pool of idol worshipers. I'm going to bless them by bringing them into a loving relationship with me where my, 
face smiles upon them and I show them my grace and my favor and we have relationship one with another, I will be their God and they will be my people. It's repeated over and over and over again in the Old Testament. So that the nations will get a picture of what it looks like for God to rescue sinners into relationship with himself. That's, that's what those verses are about, and that's what Israel is praying. This is a prayer to remind them of why God chose them. They weren't chosen just to enjoy the blessing themselves and hold on to it. They were chosen to be blessed for the sake of drawing others into that blessing as well. And here's the second thing that they pray. In verses 3 and 5, which both say, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. So they're including themselves and the nations in this praise. They're praying to God and they're saying, if you do this, God, you will get all of the glory from all of us. So God, if, if you'll bless us, continue to bless us in this relationship, this smiling relationship that we have you so that the other nations see it and are drawn into it as well, then you'll get all the glory from all of us, not just this nation, but all the nations who will come into relationship with you. And then it comes down to the meat of verse 4. How will God get this glory? How will he get this glory? Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. God will get this glory because the nations will be glad in him. And it will spill out in their singing as they sing for joy because they'll have a relationship with the God who sets everything right. He judges the peoples with equity. In other words, that's, they want justice and God will give justice. He will set things right. But they also need a shepherd. He will guide them upon the earth. What will make these people glad is to be in relationship with the God who sets everything right and who loves his sheep and leads them. How will God get glory? His people's gladness in him glorifies him. John Piper is famous for saying it this way. Um, God is glorified in us when we are satisfied in him. So this afternoon, if you go home and you're enjoying a meal that uh, mom makes or dad makes or whoever makes, and you, you brag and you just say, oh, I just love this. I love this meatloaf. Uh, it's so good. I can't, I'm so glad that you make it for us on Sundays. It's delicious. Whoever made the meatloaf gets the glory, but you get to be glad in the meatloaf. You see what I'm saying? God is glorified in us when we are satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And that's what the people are praying for the nations, is that they would be so glad in God, more glad in God than in any other God, more glad in God than in any other uh, shepherd, more glad in God than in any other judge. And he would get the praise. 
Now, that's the foreign policy God set up for Israel, that they would be a picture of how he rescues sinners into a smiling relationship with him, and that they, those nations and the people of God would together be so glad in God that he would get all the glory. But did they carry out this uh, foreign policy? And you would expect the answer to be no, because you know the story, don't you? Look, uh, I'll, I'll read it. You don't have to look there. We need to hurry. But Exodus chapter 19, they are encamped before Mount Sinai where they're about to receive the Ten Commandments from God. And Moses went up to God on the mountain, and the Lord called to him out of the mountain and said, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob to, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. There's that blessing of being chosen to be in relationship with him. He brought them to himself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. They were meant to be his treasured possession. He chose them to belong to him so that, yes, they could be a nation. Yes, they could be a kingdom, but a nation and a kingdom of priests who would then help others come into relationship with God. And then he gave them the Ten Commandments and showed them, this is how you live as my kingdom of priests. Did they, did they do that? No. In Ezekiel chapter 36, after the people had disobeyed God and had been sent away into exile out of their land, this is what God said. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. Not only did they profane his name in the land and got sent out of the land, but even in the lands that he sent them, they continued to profane his name. They were not finding their gladness in him and giving him glory. And he says, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. So they have failed in their foreign policy to be the people of God who would draw the nations to him, through them. They have now repulsed them. <laughs> and God is, God's name is profaned among them, but he is still committed to his plan to use this people to bring the nations to himself so that the nations would know him. And this is how he will do it. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. You see, the people of God did not have the heart of a covenant-keeping child of God. And so what Ezekiel is promising, God is saying, you need a heart transplant. I am going to have to do for you what you have not done. You have not been a child who keeps the covenant that you promised you would with me so that you could be a light to the nations. I'm going to have to do it for you. I'm going to have to send my son, the covenant-keeping child. I will send him in your place, and I will give you his heart and his spirit so that you can be the people that I made you to be among the nations. And so we come to the New Testament where we find that all those who put their faith in Jesus, all those who are in Christ, are now because he is the obedient son and the obedient servant, we in him are that covenant-keeping child of God. Jesus is the answer to the prayer of Psalm 67. Jesus is the answer to that prayer. In Mark chapter 3, Mark says that Jesus called to himself those whom he wanted, and he called the 12 disciples. It's a new Israel, not 12 tribes, but 12 disciples. He called to himself those whom he wanted. He chose out of all these people, these 12 to be his own. And then Mark goes on to say that he, he called them to himself so that he could be with them and send them out. This is exactly what Israel uh, was supposed to do. They were supposed to be with God in relationship with him under his smile and then be sent out to the nations so that more children could come into the family, more sheep could come into the fold, more vines could be attached to the, uh, more branches could be attached to the vine. So Jesus came to do what Israel failed to do so that the new Israel, by his power, by his spirit, could do what this prayer asked God to do. And so that's why, and I'm going to finish with this, this fall we're going to, we're going to spend time in Ephesians. Because Ephesians is a beautiful picture of the answer to Psalm 67. Look, Jesus, because of Jesus, we are blessed. And because of Jesus, we can bless the nations. I'll, I'll read these from Ephesians and we'll pray and we'll go to the table. Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, 
just as he chose Abram, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Why? That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He has blessed us in Jesus, making us his sons and daughters so that we would be glad in him and give him praise. In Jesus, we are blessed as the new nation, as the new Israel. And we are blessed together with those who were not Israel. In fact, you realize that um, Psalm 67 is a prayer asking that we would be glad we're the other nations that they were praying about. None of us would be here if Jesus hadn't been the answer to Psalm, the Psalm 67 prayer. We tend to get in this mindset that, that we, the church, are, are we uh, non-Jewish members of the church are, are the special ones somehow. No, we're the ones who are foreigners whom God sent Jesus to bring into the fold. He says, Paul says in chapter 2, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles, that's us, in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is, uh, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by his. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. You had no hope, and you were without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, that's us, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments, so that he could make in, uh, create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. We are blessed to be brought in to the fold of God, to, to be included believing Jews and believing Gentiles all in Christ. Why? So that we, the church, could be a blessing and a light to the nations. Paul says in chapter 3, to me... Though on the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus has done this. He's called us together as the church, Jew and Gentile together, so that in us he could display the unsearchable riches of his grace. In us he could reveal the mystery of what Jesus had come to do, so that he says when the angels and demons look at the church of God, they see God's glory and they see what he was about. Not just the the heavenly beings, but the nations will see God's people, the church, 
in Christ, enjoying the smile of his father because of him. And they will know through us how they too can come into relationship with the father and enjoy his smile. So as we close, what what does that mean? What do we do with all of this? Well, we pray. This is a prayer. Pray that you, pray that we, pray that our children will be most glad in Jesus. Pray that the thing that gives our hearts the most joy, that that lets not just the nations be glad, but us be glad, be that because of Jesus, we have the smile of his Father. Pray that that would happen. Pray Psalm 67. Pray for the nations because the church and other nations needs this prayer. We need to be praying this on their behalf. The church in Afghanistan right now needs us to pray, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let Afghanistan be glad and sing for joy because they will know Jesus through the people they're killing right now. So we can join our brothers and sisters in the rest of the world in praying this psalm on their behalf and with them. That they, in the midst of their persecution and their trial and their trouble and their tears and their loss, that they would still somehow, by the God's Spirit, be glad in Jesus. So that somehow uh, the Taliban will see our brothers and sisters in Christ there losing everything and yet hanging on to Christ and go, what is that? And finally, pray that our gladness, our gladness in God will have a global impact. How is that possible? How could our being blessed to be in relationship with Jesus and having the smile of his father have a global impact? Well, there's several ways. One is the fact that this church cares about what's going on in the world, and so we support missionaries with our prayers and our, our finances. We, we help them do. They're an extension of us. Another way is that we, we show our children that we have a heart for the nations. Um, that... As much as uh, there is evil, there are evil nations, um, we too were outside of God's grace at one time. And we beg God to have mercy on these wicked nations. And our children hear us pray for them. Another way we have a global impact right here, even if we don't go, is that we disciple our children to be glad in Jesus. You and I do not know which of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, or great-great-grandchildren will be someone who is in another nation one day sharing the love of Christ and the gospel and drawing nations to Jesus through his gospel. We don't know. But I can guarantee you this, 
If we don't disciple our children to be glad in Jesus, it's very unlikely that their children will be, or their grandchildren will be, or on and on and on. What we do now has generational impact. That's not a guilt trip. That's a, I get to. I get to have an impact on generations to come by the way I help my children be glad in Jesus. Those are a few ways that our gladness in Jesus will have a global impact. Father, would you help us? Help us to be a church that continues to pray. Let the nations be glad, God. Let the nations be glad and let us be glad in you so that we can help them be glad in you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.